Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career-minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Episode three of Career Move Secrets and a change of pace today. So far, we've had views from both internal and external recruiters. So today I wanted to give you a different perspective. Today's guest has, at least with me, operated as both a senior level candidate and a hiring manager. And they've also enjoyed a 20 year career in infrastructure. Today, they are the chief executive officer of Highways Birmingham and a director of infrastructure fund Equitix. Hello, Natasha Rouse. How are you? Hi, Tony. Very well, thank you. Great. And how are you coping in this lockdown? Uh, Not bad. Uh, Remote working is familiar um, and we are in the area where it's rural and walking is uh, pretty easy. Um, So compared to a lot of my colleagues who are locked in in London, uh, we are pretty relaxed and privileged, really. The weather helps as well, doesn't it? It does. It really does. The garden has never been so weed-free, I think, in all the years we've lived here. It's only April, but it feels like midsummer, uh, and midsummer perhaps in a different country to the UK. It's absolutely glorious. So nothing to complain about on that uh, on that footing. But Natasha, the, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on is that you've had a really interesting career. And obviously, I know a lot about it, having worked with you in the past, but of course, my listeners don't. So could you give us the potted history? Uh, yes, I think it's it's probably not a very usual one. And as much as when I started, I had no inkling or um, idea as to where I will be now. Um, so I started with a business called Scott Wilson, uh, which was an engineering consultancy, not being an engineer and knowing nothing about engineering. Um, And I've progressed there from starting my job in Russia. So I'm from Russia originally, and I started my job there uh, to sort of project management and program management and then into the commercial development of the business. Um, And I did a lot of international work setting up satellite companies for Scott Wilson um, and managing some of the Eastern European network. Um, Then moving into business consultancy side, um, and developing a niche sort of expertise in PPP, PFI market over a number of years, um, mostly specializing in large-scale infrastructure projects in Europe. Uh, so, again, international aspect of it was quite important, important for me at the time. Um, and then a team of us um, did a management buyout type transaction where we set up our own 
uh, niche business that again specialized in advisory services on PPP PFI market um, and started working more closely with the lenders and investors who are investing in PPP PFI in transport infrastructure. Then after uh, various permutations and a career break, um, I found myself on the uh, job market again, uh, which is where you, you will recall you and I met again and we we looked for the placement for me. Um, and I found a great home in Arcadis where I worked with a fantastic team and built a business uh, that specialised again in infrastructure and transport advisory to lenders and investors. Um, and relatively recently, last year, I made a move to one of the investment funds who used to be my client and is now my home. Um, and I got the specific responsibility of managing one of their assets in Birmingham. I believe mean, you're the chief executive of that uh, asset these days. So how, how does that work? You're, the, it's uh, Birmingham Highways. Is that a, a privatised group of roads in Birmingham? It's it's a PFI contract, um, and there's you know there's only so far I can, I can go in talking about it, unfortunately. But it is a PFI contract, and I am the chief executive of the uh, special purpose vehicle that was set up to deliver it. Um, it has a number of challenges, uh, some of which were well documented in the press. Um, and in essence, my role is necessary because those challenges are in place. So you've, you, you know, you've had a 20-year career. How many times have you actually applied for a job? A job that was advertised? Uh, once. And was that at the start? Uh, no, uh, no. Even at the start, I didn't apply for a job. That, that came as a result of a friend of mine coming in and asking me to step in for a week to help them out. So I didn't, I didn't even apply for that. Um, no, the only time I applied for a job is um, when I went to Arcadis. So five years ago. And when you say applied, you know, in, in, in essence, what happened there was, you know, we, we worked together. I knew you as a client previously. Um, you reached out to me and said that you were you know, you'd finished your sort of sabbatical and you were now interested in going into the market again. What I actually did was typical of, of the sort of things I've been talking about. I, I, I made an approach to several businesses on your behalf, working with you as in, in a sort of partnership relationship. And we opened doors to, to companies that weren't advertising a role that would, would fit you. Um, we had no idea that they had a, a role that would fit what we what we were banking on, and I think this is something that people perhaps don't realise, is that if you've got a, a niche set of skills and a track record, that's attractive to companies that are relevant to you. You know, they have to be in your sector. They have to be companies where uh, one and one equals two quite easily. But if you make an approach to those businesses um, with somebody that is really, really um, uh, well regarded and talented, they generally react quite positive to, positively to that and often create a role. And in, and that, in that instance, they created a role at partner level for you, which then became, you know, a, 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 a rolled on for the next four years and became you, you leading a, a portion of their business. But, you know, even that wasn't an application really. Yes. And I, and I distinctly remember that time when we worked together and, and I remember the advice you gave me was to be completely open-minded 
um, because one of my reservations about, I remember distinctly going for the interview uh, with my ex-colleagues in Arcadis, uh, and, I, and I was slightly bewildered that the interview was even taking place because at the time, um, Arcadis wasn't in the space where they were providing the type of service that I was known for and where I had expertise. Um, and I distinctly remember you saying, you've got nothing to lose, go and meet the people. Be open-minded about where and who you speak to because you never know where it will lead. Um, and that absolutely was the right approach. And, and that certainly was a winning one for both, I think, myself and Arcadis. We, we've had a very successful and very fruitful four years together. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, obviously, the, the business was in your space, but they didn't do exactly what you do. The, the sort of equation that we came to was, I bet they're interested in developing into this space. And if, in, in effect, you, mm. you, by hiring you, they got a foot into that market and then they developed a business around it. And it's, it's classic role creation stuff. Um, but I, I'm often, I often have the view that perhaps people don't realize that happens and how often it happens because mm. in, in, you know, in my 20 years in recruitment, I, you know, it's three, four times a year that I do that. And I'm not the only one who's, who's bringing people like that to the attention of, of clients. Um, it, it, I think as we sit now in this situation with COVID-19, I think we're going to have a global recession you know, that advertised market of jobs is going to shrink and the people who are chasing those jobs is going to massively grow, um, exponentially grow. So my advice to people is, you know, don't do the obvious thing. Don't follow everyone else onto a job board or indeed and look for the jobs that are there. Think about the companies that you're appropriate for and use your network or a good recruiter to open the door there for you. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it works so well. And I, and I think it's particularly pertinent as you get to more senior levels and more senior positions, because even looking back at my time in Arcadis and my time in Scott Wilson, I think the number of senior hires that you would get simply by openly advertising the job is, is very limited. More often than not, if you need a senior hire, you either search um, through your network or you reach out to a recruiter as a client. Um, because at that point and at that level, you need an additional level of sieving of candidates in order to dedicate your time to those who are who are potentially the best fit. So I think that the, the degree to which you will advertise those positions on Indeed and then go through, or your HR will go through the the first cut of candidates and and, and the, the, the preliminary assessment, you know that that takes quite a lot of effort, and I'm, I'm sure those those people you work with um, appreciate the work that you do for them by removing that effort. Yeah, hopefully, and it's it's a bit of an outsourcing of of the problem, mm. um, and also creating opportunities for clients. But you're absolutely right that the more senior you go, the less likely you're going to find your job through uh, an online ad it, it, it's it's you know you're much much less likely and in fact you know most of the sort of c-suite level jobs they're never advertised um it, it, i mean realistically the the hidden job market is about 80 percent of the jobs that are filled each year um across the whole market but at the more senior end i would imagine you're getting up to 85 and 90 percent um 
of the most senior jobs are, are, are never advertised. So you really need to plug into the hidden job market in order to, to, to maximize your opportunities if you're looking to make a move. And part of that is by networking, you know, using your network, um, either your network of colleagues, ex-colleagues, um, even uh, companies that have been clients of yours in the past, or, or indeed a recruiter. How did you? How did you? You come across your latest role? Was that a role that um, came to you? Largely, um, I think, as, as I mentioned already, Equitix was a, a client of mine when I was working in Arcadis. So I had a history of working together and collaborating with the team that I've joined. Uh, so it was, in many respects, a natural development of the role that I was already taking, the the advisory services that I was already providing. Um, so yes, it, it the circumstances came together in a way that that resulted in the move. Uh, I can't say that I was actively seeking it and I can't say that equities were actively looking to recruit. Um, I think it just, it just fit it at the right time. Yeah. It's ideas, isn't it? And unless you sort of have conversations with people, ideas mm. don't, don't come around. And, and I always think that's what my job when I'm working with senior um senior candidates who are looking to make a move is to take them through a process of thinking about how the, how moves really happen. Because quite often we can think, oh, you ad- a job is advertised and then somebody applies. Well, I haven't advertised a job in 10 years. I make lots of placements, but I don't, you know, I don't advertise any of the jobs that that uh, that I that come across my desk. And many of the jobs that I fill, if not, you know, the vast majority of the ones that I fill, are never advertised by my clients either. Mm. It's it's a sort of situation where an opportunity arises for them uh, because I put a candidate in front of them, or alternatively, they're looking to solve a problem. And they talk to me about that problem in their business. And we turn that into a search where I go and find, uh, I headhunt a person that is appropriate for that role. But at no point do we, do we advertise that role um, out there in the market? Because what you get is you get three, two, 250, 300, sometimes 400 applications that you have to sift through. And 99% of them are a waste of your time. Um, it's interesting what you said about the hidden job market because I, I always suspected that there is a large proportion of the jobs just on personal experience that are never advertised but I never knew the statistics that obviously you have access to because that's the area you work in um, and it's quite striking the degree to which <laughs> this is the what you see is the, the the tip of the iceberg that is completely under the surface that's exactly what that's that that's the analogy I always use. It's the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, if you're chasing if you're chasing uh, after the same jobs as everyone else, um, and just looking at the tip of the iceberg, you, you're you've got a, your strategy is all wrong. Um, if you do more lateral thinking, and you know, for instance, if you've always worked in infrastructure, you know, what are the other companies that work in your sector? Would they be potentially interested in you? I find that that for people is a bit of a it's a difficult thought process, perhaps like it was for you. You're often thinking, well, they're a competitor or uh, I didn't think they did a great job of this or that or the other. Or you have a, a preconception, which is often based on you competing with them. It's, it's sometimes a bit negative towards them. But actually, in terms of your career, you as an individual, you're going to get more value and more traction by working with companies that are closer to your skill set. Mm. 
they're the ones you should target if you want if you're thinking from your career move is i want a better job i want to go up the ladder in terms of responsibility um rather than make a sideways move you probably need to to, to sort of think laterally in terms of organizations yeah i i, I can see i can see that um I don't know to what extent the people you work with have a very planned and strategic approach to their career development and to what extent, uh, probably like myself, they they tend to follow the opportunities as they arise and uh, fall into the jobs um, as the jobs are ready, when they're ready to take responsibility and they have the appropriate skill set. Um, so from my individual experience, it's quite difficult to judge. I hear of people who are very strategic about their career moves um, and very planned in how they develop their careers. Um, I don't know to what degree you work with a lot of candidates like that. Very, very. In 20 years, I think I could count on that on the you know fingers of one hand, the people that claim to have had a strategic thought process plan to their careers. I, you know, I, I talk a lot about people having a good career narrative, being able to explain their career. And most people, this is done with hindsight rather than mm. uh, as a plan at the start. But um, yeah, very, very few people have a genuine uh, career plan that they followed. Most of them follow opportunities. And increasingly because of, you know, people like me doing lots of headhunting and doing some of the thinking for them, they they follow opportunities. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I've done the same thing, by the way, not, no plan in my career at all. Um, you know, the universe provides in many ways and you go and yes. you go and find the next opportunity. And that's how life works, which is more, even more shocking when you find, as people are going to, I think, in the next few months, is you find yourself without a job for whatever reason, your company's collapsed or there's been a redundancy situation and you actually have to look for a job. It's a mm. completely different mindset to one where the job finds you and you decide yes or no, is that the right direction for you? And, and I find that people, candidates, are, are very, very ill-equipped to, to, to make that transition. They don't know what to do and they end up doing the same things that everybody else is doing, which you know, yields a very limited um, you know, uh, response. You, know, if you're, if you, you can feel very busy if you're applying for jobs, jobs that you're you know, perhaps not even that appropriate for, um, you can waste a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy and be really disappointed if you do that as opposed to being more proactive with your time, being more targeted in the companies that you speak to, whether you whether they have a job for you or not, in theory. Mm. Yes, but I can I can see the challenge um, and obviously I've experienced it when, when we work together uh, before I joined Arcadis. It is it is a different and slightly unsettling place to be um, because if throughout your career, like I did, you naturally moved from one job to another, whether it was in the same company or sideways, suddenly finding yourself in a situation where you're actively looking for one um, and you don't have the financial security, the backup, the the setup that you naturally would have in a job. Um, you know that that's quite a different place to be in. So I can understand why people are ill-equipped because nothing in your career up until that point equipped you to face that situation. No, you, you've not been trained. You've been trained to do the jobs you can do, but you haven't been trained to find yourself mm. your next job. It's, it's, it is a skill. It, it, it is. It is a real skill. It, 
and funny enough, we're all learning machines, so you get better at it. It's it's a learning curve. It's a quite a steep learning curve, and you know, eventually, most people get there. What I see though is really clever people that I that I that I come across who spend six months, even twelve months, out of the job market because they have made a series of mistakes in terms of looking for a job. They 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 haven't seized upon the right strategy, and they. They find that you know really really troubling, and you know some people move into a sort of portfolio career or set up their own businesses because they don't find the opportunity out there. And it's it's in my view, it's partly because the strategy that they're using doesn't work. You know, i.e., I'll apply for a job and somebody will hire me. It it, mm. it doesn't work like that anymore. I don't think um, you have to be more proactive and you have to have a uh, you know a plan that um, that that you you know, you execute each day and every day when you're looking for a job. Yeah, it's that's that's an interesting perspective. Well, it's um, a job in and, itself. And, <laughs> Finding a job. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed, that is a job in itself. Mm. Um, I remember from my job searching days that it, it, it did take time and focus and dedication to to think through the opportunities that were coming through and um and I suppose get myself into the right mental space where I was a lot more open to what was in the market. So you, you will recall a lot of the interviews that mm. you've organized for me, well, a lot. We, we, didn't, we didn't have that many. It took us mm. not that long, actually, for no, you. you it, it, it didn't take you very long to place me, I, I must say. You're um, a good candidate, but, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, so, but, you know, it needed me to be in, in a totally open-minded frame of mind. Mm. Um, where before I would have either dismissed or not paid attention to certain options and certain opportunities, um, I needed to move to the space where I was open to it. Absolutely, I was open to just and and I and I viewed every interview and every meeting I had as an opportunity to find out what's going on in the competition and what's going on in the market. And almost every interview I went to contributed something to the next one that I went to. Because I, you know, I could not just be interviewed, but I could understand what that business is doing to the degree that they were prepared to share it. So I think there is a lot of value in going through that process, almost for the process's sake, because as you say, it's it's such a valuable learning experience. It is, and and you, yeah, all the intelligence that you can get um, as you move through the interview process, it. it uh, it pays dividends, you know, preparing for interviews, making sure that you ask good questions. When I took feedback from clients that had met you, they always said, she asked us questions, which I always think is you know, the best thing that you can do. <laughs> it's a two-way process. You know, you demonstrate your intelligence because you have intelligent questions to ask and you demonstrate that you understand the market. And that's attractive uh to employers uh, you, you you obviously hire people yourself uh what, what do you tend to look for in a candidate i think i tend to look first and foremost the right fit between the organization and the team and the individual what i don't believe in both for myself and for people that i hire is round pegs and square holes. I think the, the job needs to work for both sides. It needs to work in the round. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It's not a sustainable solution. So I don't see interviews as some kind of a buying opportunity where we are choosing the candidate. I see interview as an exploration of whether there is a good fit. 
beyond that, it is about knowledge and capability. And capability probably for me comes before knowledge. The right kind of person will learn new skills, um, even if they don't have enough knowledge of the subject at that point in time. Um, those who may not be able or willing to learn the new skills, no matter how much knowledge they have, certainly in, in my area, and I've been until very recently in the advisory services, uh, wouldn't feel comfortable, wouldn't, wouldn't really fulfill their potential because it's, it's a constant learning curve. It's a constant development opportunity. Um, and I think the other thing now at my level and uh, sort of with the experience of the jobs that I'm doing, being able to deal with uncertainty is a very, very important skill. And one that is you know, hard to gain and hard to maintain because emotionally it's such, a, it's such an insecure place to be for, for a lot of people. Uh, but in the advisory services, it is all about uncertainty. Because every situation, every commission you get is either slightly different or very different to anything else that you've managed to do before. So you have to build on the foundations of what you already know and what you already have. But you have to be able to respond to it in an agile way um, and with a, with a different outcome every time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hiring for attitude and aptitude, isn't it? That's how I always look at it. That's right, yeah. As opposed to just you know, the skill set. And, and that all comes out in your interview craft. You know, you ask searching questions, people have to be able to answer them in a coherent way. They have to be able to demonstrate that they are, that they have the right attitude and they have the right aptitude. And I find, again, that a good interviewer pulls that out of a candidate very, very easily. Mm. Yeah. And, it, and it is quite a challenge, you know, as, as someone who has interviewed people as well as have been interviewed. Um, I think it is quite a challenge to give and receive a good interview. Again, that, that's a skill that very few of us are trained for um, and a lot of people take for granted. But it's, uh, it can be a make or break situation. Uh, you know, there were instances in my career when, when I was going to interviews where I came out of interviews and I just thought, there is no way I would want to go and work for this business um, because of the interview they just gave me. No, no matter what they offered me, that wouldn't be the right fit. Um, so it, it does work both ways, and it is it is a highly skilled job to do it well. I agree. I, I agree, and it is very much a two-way street. Look, thank you very much, Natasha, for your time, your thoughts, your uh, your insights, and your advice. I think they're going to be really helpful for people who are looking for a job right now or in the next few months. Thank you, Natasha, for your time. Appreciate it. Pleasure, Tony. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Take care. In this episode, I was hoping to give you a different perspective, one from a candidate who's made a number of moves, but funnily enough, has never actually applied for a job. It's interesting. I think these days. Um, the way that the industry works and the way that the job market works is very different to perhaps how it worked several years ago. Um, you don't always have to look to apply to a job and you don't always have to have an open vacancy to be able to gain a job with a company. I wanted to demonstrate by talking to Natasha that there is very much a hidden job market out there. And by navigating that market, you can actually end up in a very good place as Natasha has uh, now a chief executive of a, a reasonable sized organization. So um, please do take that on board. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you are interested in the hidden job market, perhaps exploring it and indeed uh, gaining and growing your interview craft, 
please do have a look at the Career Move Secrets um, course. You'll find that at www.careermovesecrets.com. There is, of course, a Job Search Masterclass that you can you can um, watch as a prelude to looking at the course and it'll give you a bit of insights on how the course works. Of course, if you like this uh, podcast, it would also be great if you would subscribe because there will be another Career Moves podcast coming very soon. Thank you.